Science. All right, welcome to Probably Science, uh, a week in science news and mostly bullshit that we thought of 10 minutes ago. So, but we have uh, our normal hosts are all here again today. Andy Wood, yep. right to my yeah. right. And Matt Kirshen is to my left. Hey, how's it going? And we've got the return of Bricks Whelan. Yeah, I was gone last weekend, but I'm back, and I missed. have a mustache now, so it's cool. <laughs> you do. Uh, Brooks had to take some time off to grow some facial hair. Yeah, I took a week off, <laughs> focused on my mustache. It was worth it. Uh, but this week, we have a very great guest. I'm excited. Winner of Last Comic Standing. And Sorry, Matt. I don't, I don't mean to... F- I know. <laughs> oh, Alonzo Bowden is Thank here. you. Don't rub it in. Hey, I... <laughs> I picked Matt for that show. He I, did. Alonso. I bet on him. Wow. Alonso and he was a judge on my season. let me down. <laughs> me. Matt, you We suck. brought him across the pond, as they like to say, and he fell flat and let me down. <laughs> <laughs> did the judges have some backroom bets between each other about who was going to? No, but, but Matt was one of my favorites, honestly. Was all great. kidding aside. Yeah, well, thank I, you. I knew you were funnier than most. And you did You did tear Amy apart on the... On the um, heckling thing oh, you that made was reference to her reading nothing but children's books <laughs> that was one of the great moments <laughs> uh, that was hilarious well, she, I, I, I Amy, Amy who? Amy what? Schumer oh Amy really? Schumer. because she, she kind of kept going with the Harry Potter references I just thought after a while there's a yeah there's do a you ever there. read books yeah. for grown ups? <laughs> yeah she, oh, nice. she didn't just do Harry Potter she did some other children's books I book. can't remember what the other one was but yeah he, but he I, shut her up right there but I properly pussied out on that one I, I, I hated that challenge they made like I, if you didn't watch the show what they did for one of the challenges was they made they paired us off and they made us heckle each other at gigs and my plan on the way in was I was just I was going to do all positive heckles oh, and, nice. I, I can, and then when it came down to it in the, in the spur of the moment I just pussied out but I was going to be like I was going to interrupt me like I am enjoying your comedy. <laughs> you know, I respect you as an act. Yeah, you and would. You would do that. You're very nice. But that would also screw you up as well. Like it was a bit. It, that I should have done that. That would have been actually quite devious because it's hard to respond to. Yeah, yeah. Throw someone more than they have it, stuff right at the ready. If yeah, because if someone goes, if someone goes negative, you're like fuck you, whatever. It, it, as, as any comic will tell you, if someone's negative to you, Thanks. it's really easy because you just go straight back. Although you know? I, I did see a comic tear somebody apart for being too enthusiastic about seeing him. Really? Yeah. Because he felt she wouldn't shut up. So he was like, <laughs> shut it. She's like, I love you. He's like, shut up. <laughs> and, he, and he went off. So They don't have to do those those challenges anymore. Did, what was the dumbest one you had to do, Alonzo? Uh, the dumbest one I had to do, let's see. We had a lot of dumb ones. Um, yeah, they were like really weird. No, I would say the one that the one I did worst at was making kids laugh. We had had seven to nine-year-old kids, and we had to make them laugh. That was the, that to me was the toughest one. The other ones were when the season we did, they were actually reasonable in the sense that most of them had to do with doing comedy. Like we had to do stand-up in a laundromat, which is an actual open mic in Hollywood that they do at a laundromat, and you're doing it while people are washing their clothes. But that was. But that's kind of like doing a bad bargain and where people we, are right, going right. out their business. And we had to be tour guides on those um, buses, you know, the Hollywood tour. Right. right. And you had to make that. You had to make it funny, but you also had to make it up because none of us knew anything about Hollywood. <laughs> right. But but again, that's a job like a comic would do that job as yeah. a day job. So that that one made sense. We did a roast, which obviously is is that's the one that I won, and that's yeah, the that's most that's a great comic oriented one. Yeah, because yeah, um, that's ju- that is a thing that comedians, real comedians, professionals actually do for yeah. real. 
and then we had to the, making the kids laugh was murder. Uh, Kath, <laughs> Kathleen Madigan, <laughs> Kathleen won on that one. Did and we, she? Well, we figured it's because she was the same size as them. <laughs> they could agree. And then our last challenge, we had to pitch a show. We had to pitch an idea, and I forgot who we pitched it to. I think they were random people, but we had to like pitch an idea for a show, and um, Tammy won that one. Right. So, yeah, our challenges weren't that bad. I can't imagine Kathleen being good. Like, uh, Kathleen's a phenomenal comedian, but I can't imagine her... No, literally, the kids kids related to her because they were the same size, so they could play together. (laughs) That that literally was what worked. Was there any temptation to just go with what your gut says about what makes kids laugh, even if it's not what you want to do in your stand-up? No, you you didn't do stand-up. You had to try... Like, they had a box of toys for us to use and whatever, but... The problem is if you don't have kids, you don't know their (laughs) sensibility. Like kids have a logic to them that, you know, I mean, Cosby, right, could always make kids laugh because he understood kid logic. He could talk to kids on their level. And some people, some people can do that. It's like, it's like when I do colleges, like I have no idea, you know, their culture. Like I don't know their music. I don't know this or that. So I make fun of the fact they have no future to look forward to. <laughs> we have rape, pillaged, and destroyed the economy, the country, and any hope they may have had. So I like to laugh about the fact they have nothing. I remember but, the first time I re- I realized I was no longer kind of that age in that group. Like, I did a. Oops, sorry about that. This is sorry. I thought I, I was on silent. mover and shaker. I did this a. Uh, I did this college gig, and it was back in the UK. And the thing about the, the massive difference between gigs in the UK, like for students in, and in America, is that they drink because yeah, the drinking age is eighteen. Oh, right, right, right. So every, college life in the UK is built around the bar. It's built around drinking, and so I had a pint on stage. And I was it was about maybe twenty three, twenty four. I was still only a few years out of university, and I'd been doing comedy since I was a student. So I kind of thought I was still, I was, I was one of them doing that. And then I had this beer on stage, and one of them just sort of started going like, "Down it, down it," <sighs> and like, yeah, and they're like, "Chug, chug, chug," and I just sort of stopped and just went, "No, uh, <laughs> I'm a grown up. Uh, I got this beer because I wanted you to can't drink it." Me. You know, it's so sad. I used to run a college show when I was in college, and I would totally been like, "You fucking know where it," and just yeah. pounded a beer. Just the worst. I'm an idiot. And I would have been a few years before. That yeah, was the no, point I wouldn't that I anymore. Realized, yeah, that but was the point that I realized. Oh, I'm now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not you anymore. I'm. No, I was going to say, on a college gig, though, that would make you a genius comic. Like, if you stood there and chugged the beer, they'd be like, that's the funniest guy we ever saw. Get another (laughs) one. I I felt the best, like, I was, like, hosted a one-nighter for three years in college, and the dudes who would kill weren't so much doing comedy as hosting the party. Like, yeah. they were just yeah. like, you gotta yell let's do it. Hey, this table, let's get some shots. Like, and they just were just party hosts yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I don't want to go on the road. <laughs> is that what this is? It doesn't look fun to me. I saw Bill Maher at my college. He went to my university, actually. And uh, I was a freshman in 95. And that was when he was only known for Politically Incorrect. And that wasn't even that big a show at the time. So I, I went there and I dragged this girl who didn't know who he was into going. And I was like, he's really funny. And uh, he didn't do that well. And also, he could, only 10 years out of college, I think he was, maybe a little more. No, he was more than that. Well, how old is he? <laughs> He's Bill definitely Mars more than in his that. Mid-50s. Mid-50s, so he was born in like. Uh, he was born in around. He had, he had sitcoms 60. in the 80s. He was probably born. He yeah, probably graduated like. 60. So he graduated in like 82 then. So he was like 13 years out of college. But either way, he was already far enough removed that people kept like. They were hoping because he'd gone to the same school that he knew these 
these like cultural like, touchstones like the battle of, and that kind yeah, of yeah, or just like you know, what'd you do on Slope Day, which was this party day at the end of classes, and I guess it didn't exist when he was there, so he just made no attempt to to bridge the gap, and everyone was kind of disappointed that he didn't have any. He's like, no, I'm going to tell you some more share. stuff about. Uh, yeah, just about, about politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you hired like in that case, the school hired a guy with an act. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you didn't know he had an act, you wouldn't you wouldn't get it. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Like when I go to school, because I love doing topical and political. But when I go to colleges, I can't do that because none of that applies to them. Yeah, they yet. don't care about right. that. They no. don't oh, know yeah, anything be... about that. They they don't read. Yeah, um, I, you know. So I saw a tell when he came to the University of Iowa, and he did like the like a smart thing to get us all on his side. He just brought he brought our university newspaper and just like bullshitted about it, like how fucking pointless it was. <laughs> right. Like starting off like this is what's happening right. here, yeah, what and everyone was about. like, "He's relating to us," and he killed. It was He's great. Made an effort. Um, so, Alonso, what, what is your, your science background? I yeah. know you're an engineer. I, I was an airplane mechanic for um, 10 years, taught for, well, actually 13 years, 10 years working, three years teaching. So, where, where at? Uh, woo. I started at Lockheed. I worked um, when Lockheed was in Burbank, built stealth fighters, and then I went into commercial, did a lot of planes for American Airlines. Um, I used to rebuild planes after they crashed. Whoa. You know, like when you read on the news. Are they allowed that, to do that? Yeah, yeah. When a plane goes, I'm I'm talking about ground accidents. So yeah, when you hear about, like, about like, when you hear about a plane, yeah, those are really hard to put together. <laughs> yeah. When you hear about a plane going off a runway, right? Like they rebuild it, it's, and it's literally just like your car, only on a much larger scale. Like first, the estimators go out and they look at it and they say, wow. "Can we fix this? And how much is it going to cost? And how long it's going to take?" And then they then the engineers go out and they they actually diagram what has to be done, what has to be replaced, which is usually everything. And then I was one of the mechanics who would actually do it. So right. I did that for about three years. And is it and like is it more sophisticated than the car? Or is it still pretty much a case of just hammering out the dents, then painting over it? <laughs> no, it is. It is. You know, the thing, the difference between aircraft and cars. Let me try to put it in a terms that that general if this is about to be like understand. really simplistic like like one's got planes and no 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 i'm trying okay i'll give you an example i'll give yeah. you an example of the difference between airplanes and cars turbochargers and anti-lock brakes are on your car now yeah they were on airplanes in 1944 oh okay so that that's the difference in technology and so yeah it's a little more than hammering out the dents <laughs> right although at times you do hammer out a dent you know that I mean, there's there's certain fixes on airplanes that are that are minor like that. Like it gets hit by a rock and you bang the dent out and fly it. Yeah. You know, that's, I remember hearing recently there's there's some kind of tape that they use. Yeah, we had um, tape. It's we used to joke about it. It's uh, the the name. I don't know what the real name was. We called the tape we used. We called it 600 mile an hour tape because <laughs> it was rated to stay on at that speed, wow. and it, it was basically strips of aluminum that were adhesive so you would tape over um like if there was a dent or a depression that wasn't aerodynamic you would just tape over it so that the airflow over it would be smooth and that would be okay to fly until you could fix it so <laughs> we didn't use tape to hold the plane together but we used tape to uh to hide blemishes so were there like different levels of redundancy checks like every job you did someone else then had yeah, to go over it again least, and then at least two usually three or four levels so so if you're a mechanic like if i tighten a bolt then i sign it off then some inspector comes just and he checks what i did but but a lot of times it will be checked by more people than that but it's a very 
it's a very sophisticated, very redundant uh, thing. I mean, you know, there's there's no fender benders, right? So, yeah, yeah. Anything so we had to do it. But then also on the technology scale, I mean, when I worked on the Stealth, that was um, that was stealth radar technology. That was so far ahead of its time. This was in the early 80s, and this was like top secret. You know, nobody knew about it. it the planes were flying. Nobody knew they were in the air because oh. they had no radar signature. So I got to work on that. So from a scientific background, I am a mechanical type versus the electronics, right. avionics guys. I, I was never really great with electronics, but if it's mechanical, if I can see how it works... I can take it apart and put it together. Mm-hmm. Your right. your stealth, like spot your talk about stealth made me think. I had a similar situation. I got to try gushers before everybody else did. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, treat that the the candy. Oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I remember my friend's dad worked for General Mills, and he brought home. He's like, guys, guess what? Keep quiet about. <laughs> he, made, he made you sign an NDA before you. He's could like, taste keep it. quiet. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Guys, want to try some something neat? And we tried gushers and. Uh, told everybody we could talk to like we tried a new candy it's like a sick it's a solid and a liquid did you also do cosby impressions while you were trying the candy? i talked like bill cosby as a child <laughs> which is why he could relate like all the right. children yeah. cosby well, had that's gushers n- that's nuts I cosby had gushers in 1944 that's how far ahead of the time <laughs> oh wow cosby okay. was doing kid material yeah. in 56 now don't you drive like cool cars and motorcycles yeah. Yeah. now i'm a gearhead um yeah, I, I'm a car and bike guy. I've got a couple of Ducatis. And yeah, I, I saw your motorcycle once, and I was like, that's fucking nuts. And somebody's like, that's Alonzo Bowden. So I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. But every so often you sent, like, every so often I see you've just sent away your bike to get, or one of your bikes to get re-customized. Well, that was one that I crashed, and I have a buddy who's a bike builder in Florida. So when I crashed, he's a true bike guy. He didn't ask how I was. He asked <laughs> how was the bike, oh. or what or was I going to do with it. And I said, I want to strip it down. And he said, send it to me. And uh, I sent it to him. And nine months later, it was literally like a pregnancy. Nine months later, the child came back completely transformed, a sick custom. And then then it was in magazines. And then it was on a TV show called Cafe Racer. And the bike got an agent, and it doesn't talk to me anymore. (laughs) The bike's like, I'm beyond you now. But But here's the fun thing about that. Like, the side benefit of being a comic, I get to test things. So. Because the industry knows that I'm a gearhead, they loan me stuff. So right now, like tonight, and and very fitting for a geeky scientist show, I am riding a Honda scooter. I saw that. I saw that out out front. I was like, "What the? What is Alonzo riding?" Honda loaned me a scooter, and I said, "You know, gas is five bucks a gallon. I'll take it." (laughs) So uh, yeah, so I'm riding a scooter, and then this weekend, I did a gig for Audi, and they joked the the uh, CEO of Audi said, hey, man, you had a car show, and you didn't do any Audis. And I said, well, you guys never loaned me one. He said, all right, we're going to lend you one. So they lended me an R8. Oh, and man. if you look that up, it is their top-of-the-line sports car, 10-cylinder. It uses the same engine as a Lamborghini. It's sick. So Damn. this weekend, Jeez. I'm going to be picking up. How long did you get it for? I get it for the weekend. So Saturday night, I'm just going to pick up some chick in Hollywood, <laughs> and she's going to think I'm much funnier than I actually am. <laughs> See, that's I felt like like my dad like uh, my dad came home from a trip and forgot a present because I was like, I wonder if Alonzo is going to bring a sick car like an Audi R8. <laughs> nope, it's a Honda scooter. Honda R8. scooter. <laughs> like, what is no, that? There's no shame scooter. in being seen riding around in that. No, because I have Ducatis at home. 
Uh, yeah. So we'll know that. Like if I only had a scooter, then then I'd have parked it around the corner. Yeah. Right. But, Plus you're wearing a helmet, you, they can't see your face. And when like, you have a Ducati fun. at home, you're like, yeah, I'm riding a scooter. So what? What you want to go home? You want me to get the real bike? You know, so. Very cool. It's like when Chris Chris Fairbanks was at a festival with me, where we were given this free Segway tour around DC, and all these we went by a skate park, and all these kids recognized him from his various. You know, oh, fuel TV skater skating guy, things. Yeah. yeah, that's got to be the, like to be a skater and be seen on a Segway. That's the <laughs> I remember chugging around. At I, used, I used to rollerblade, and there was one skate park in Iowa. I had to drive like two hours to get to it. And I showed up, and I would I didn't re- know rollerblading wasn't cool. <laughs> like, and that's when I found out because all the skater. <laughs> How kids, did you not yeah, know that? that? That's not hard. <laughs> I don't Iowa. know. Man. <laughs> I just didn't know. Even in Iowa, yeah. they got the memo. But yeah, I had no idea. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop in on a half pipe, and I showed up, and they all like threw their skateboards at me, and we're like, get out of here, blader. And I was like, I like that nickname. I'm taking that one home. So I went by blader. Um, <laughs> Violence in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, just involves throwing the skateboards versus the skateboards. And then, well, then actually, what happened was a kid on a on a razor scooter showed up, and really that attracted most That's, of the hate. Yeah. They shot him. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do our first uh, science story of the week. This one is kind of nuts. We were talking uh, a few weeks ago about three D printing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this is like a way advanced futuristic version of that. That MIT researchers um, from the Distributed Robotics Laboratory are working on right now. Uh, it's the very first steps towards nanobot technology. Um, and it's called a smart sand project where they hope to make tiny sand grain sized self-contained computers that can duplicate any object. So the end goal is to deposit an object into a box of sand grain sized computers and pull out a full size replica of the original object like a few seconds later. Wow. So each of the little grains is itself a computer. Each little, each cube, uh, they're, they're going to be cubes. And right now they're experimenting with like way larger than grains of sand. It's 10, uh, 10 millimeter cubes. Um, each cube currently is equipped with a rudimentary microprocessor that can run 32 kilobytes of code with just two kilobytes of working memory. Don't know what that means. <laughs> Andy, you're a computer you guy. You know what that means? I don't know what two that kilo- means. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind just... of like the like very early spectrum. Not even. Like, yeah, that's that's the kind of microprocessor that you would have in like 1978 or something. Okay, well, all, well they're 10 millimeter cubes and they're all connected through magnetic magnets. And... Um, the biggest difference between this and 3D processing is there be a big clump of these ma- tiny magnets together, and then when they when you put the object in them, they would figure out like Where the diameter of that, and then they would all break apart to form that object. So it would be a subtraction process in, instead of like an additive process that current 3D modeling has. Has Rick Santorum heard about this? <laughs> because Jesus would not approve of, of computers duplicating objects yeah. in the world. That, that's, a, that's the thing about science. You know, it's, there, there are people out there who are so smart, you literally need a translator to understand what they're right, thinking right. about. You know what I mean? And yet we have, honestly, we have these politicians and entire swaths of America that are like, no. Just that's their answer to it. No, that's too much. It's God wouldn't approve. Yeah, and I don't understand it. Let's move it must backwards. Be Somebody get me a horse. And, and, <laughs> but and it's I know you draw it that sounds line, isn't funny. It? I know it sounds funny, but it, but it's horrifying. Like if you if you work in these towns and you you talk to these people, if you talk to them about that, that scientists are working on nanotechnology that will duplicate objects instantly. They're like, 
no, that's devil magic. And they, you know, <laughs> sound like black they should magic. be killed. You know, I mean, it, it's so. I don't know where we get the the resources to advance on these projects because that that's what they consider a waste of government money. You know, it's but um, once it gets a lot to of them the, are so, private, like private universities, like MIT. Well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, MIT's private, but but what I'm saying is to to expand the knowledge. In other words, there was a time when knowledge was expansive and science was respected, particularly in the 60s with the space program. That was yeah, that yeah. was like America at its finest, yeah. you know, in the 60s. And the aspirational. Thing, I will tell you from having worked in the defense industry, America's best and brightest minds are devoted on how to kill people. That's what America does better. That's why nobody in the world fucks with us, because <laughs> we know, I'm, I'm not kidding, we know how to kill people in volume, <laughs> right? We, we come up yeah. with nuclear weapons and yep. things like but we also know how to kill personally, where a predator can fly into your backyard and spot you, or they can look at one person from a side, but that's where our brain technology, our thinking power goes and then they come up with civilian uses for right, it right right it's like the I internet mean? wouldn't exist if it weren't a defense thing in the right in the it's all beginning. about that's yeah. where we put the money but we we have to stop doing that like at some point we have to say you know something okay we can kill people good enough let's work on something else but but they won't they won't approve a penny right. for science unless you put that defense we thing uh, in front we, t- of it. we talked about this a few months ago like i think it was the b53 bomb like it was the largest bomb that we had ever created. We just took the last one out of commission, and the whole the reason it was so big, it was like huge. I think it made like a two mile crater, like insane. It was the size of a Volkswagen bus. Yeah, right? it, it was there? the yeah. size of a, like a small bus. Um, the reason that was so big is because at that time we couldn't be very accurate with how we were dropping them. So we're like, we'll just get just it close, as big as possible. right? And kill who cares how many people we just need to get that one target and it was for underground bunkers yeah like it's just nuts well it was it was like the neutron bomb you know when they came up with that technology said oh we've come up with a bomb that kills all the people but leaves the building standing <laughs> and then someone said why <laughs> you know like what what are we gonna do now the city's rate there's radiation so you have all the buildings but yeah. but we still can't go in there because you that know? makes it look like a really cool level on a computer game exactly yeah. it, it's <laughs> like, uh it, it's amazing again how smart these people are and and i wish them luck i'm like a science guy like move forward experiment with it because everything that used to be attributed to god or magic you know, not everything, but so many things have a scientific explanation. Right, the pattern now. is there that you should assume the things that are still not known, like yeah, the god there's of a, the god of the gaps. Isn't that a, a well? There's a logical. Argument. We have the idea now that they didn't 300 years ago that there's a logical explanation to everything. Right. Yeah, but it seems more and more people are battling that. Like I yeah. joke about Rick, Rick Santorum, but honestly, you have that whole. Rick Santorum, oh, Sarah Palin. Willfully ignorant. Yeah, That's what it willfully. Is. No, not just willfully ignorant. They, they are ready to violently, violently fight knowledge. Like they, <laughs> they, they're anti-information. You know what I mean? And, and they will literally fight you on it. Like, no, if you keep saying that, we will kill you. You know, which so is amazing it's like because once it gets dark to, ages, once the technology gets rooted to a certain level, then people are happy to take like. It's the early stage of the research where they're like, "Oh, I don't trust, don't like this." But now the internet exists; yeah. people are quite happy to like all the. I, I I always think people who have those opinions and beliefs shouldn't be allowed to benefit from it. Right. You shouldn't be allowed if you if you honestly if you're a creationist, if you're on that anti-science, you shouldn't be allowed to spread your views on the internet. 
You yeah. have to go town to town right. shouting your opinion. Yeah, well, yeah. And the Amish are like, we don't want them. Yeah. We yeah. don't want them hanging around us. I so. used to work with the dude who's a member of the Tea Party, and uh, he, uh, this is at like a biomedical engineering job. Like, he's a, he's a scientist, and he was like, no, the Earth's 6,000 years old. And I was like, what about dinosaurs? And he's like, they existed with humans. Yes. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he pulled up the internet, it w- but it was like a site from 95. Like, it was still <laughs> no, you go, super There's beta. a creationist museum yeah. in yeah. Kentucky, and they show the dinosaurs with saddles on them. Well, yeah. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not making oh, no, this up. No, his whole thing was there was a fossil print of like a, of a dinosaur foot and then like a human foot like in it and he was like how does that work and I was like I don't know somebody could make that up dude I like and awesome the people. other thing is they, they asked him well what happened to the dinosaurs and this was their answer and I'm not making this up you can look this up they wouldn't fit on the ark yeah <laughs> when Noah's ark was built the dinosaurs wouldn't fit that's and that's what airtight. happened to not them. even the ones that, not even the flying dinosaurs not even the little ones um, <laughs> that goes along with my, the guy I told you about I used to work with who believed in this the, the canopy thing that was going on that was the reason everyone lived a long time in the Old Testament was because of the weight of the water in the atmosphere that was waiting to fall in the flood was making the whole earth a hyperbaric chamber so everyone lived to be 800 because there was hyper-oxygenated oh, yeah, air oh. because the water was pressurizing. It's like the links they'll go to to it's, justify well, that. What I love about that, what you just told us about in the museum, though, is that they believe, not only do they believe that prehistoric man lived alongside dinosaurs, but they also believe that they had saddle technology. Right, <laughs> they had the ability to fashion. Okay, I'm going to leatherworking. I'm going to bring it back to the story for a second. Go around. If you could just drop something in a box of sand and it's going to duplicate it, what are you dropping in? What are you going to duplicate, Matt? Oh, I don't know. Wait, look, I think quick I, question: Is it is it like a simple shape, or can it be a working mechanical device? No, I mean device? Just, just something a just, shape. Yeah, I would say. Well, you know what? Let's just anything. Let's let's hope that the technology will get so good it could like bring back an iPhone. I uh, think like a miniature David Carradine. Oh, there you go. A mini David Carradine. <laughs> yeah. His dead body. Oh no, I'm thinking like living days. Or may, maybe you're the gonna, very you last moment. You have to moments. start with the living. You have to start with the thing and put it in there for it to duplicate it. So you got to find a little David Carradine and then put it in the sand. <laughs> Indian in the cupboard. Another one. Yeah, I may not have. David Carradine one. in the cupboard. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what a, I want. That'd be a different movie. You'd open up the cupboard. Oh God. Oh David Carradine. <laughs> oh, we oh, should. Oh, oh, I should have left the Look what he's doing. <laughs> this David Carradine my cupboard's ruining this book. <laughs> Alonzo, what are you going to drop in? Gold bars. Oh, nice. Exactly. I like yeah. that. Oh yeah, if the substance can be the same. Yeah. Andy? I think it would just be delicious food. It would just be like, I'd, I'd take, what I would do is go to the nicest restaurant, get the best dish, take it to go, and then every day make it, drop a new one of those in and just eat like a king forever. Do you I, not think you, you know. get sick of that one dish? Or maybe once in, a, once in a month you go get a different one. Right. But then, you know, but you could probably keep separate strains going, like how they have like a strain of sourdough yeast from like 1850 in San Francisco, <laughs> and it's like the same sourdough they're making out of the same culture. Like you just have... Like some seed food from all these different restaurants you keep in your fridge, and every day you right. can okay. make two. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I don't, you know, I, I'm the one who proposed it. I would just say um, maybe there's this beer I like that's like a 20 ounce <laughs> beer that's like $9, so I've only ever had it once. What is it? Uh, uh, it's just called Sculpin. It's some Sculpin. it's some uh, San Diego brewing company. I would drop that in because I can't afford it. You're aware, like both of you. Like both of your ideas could be purchased and then some if you just did Alonzo's gold bar. Oh uh, yeah, but Alonzo <laughs> already, said, already said gold yeah, bar. Said gold it's bar. Like wishing right. for more wishes, basically. Come on, yeah. that's yeah. you can't just do that. <laughs> so yeah, so mine is. So we're all in favor of duplication technology, right? It's just Santorum that's against it. 
I think so. Well, you yeah. know, interesting. Um, it Devil worship. <laughs> feed ne- neatly into the next story. Just um, if talking about prehistoric creatures, I don't know whether this one was on the Ark or not, but they've just uh, discovered. Well, it definitely was if it this, exists. This is on the. Well, this is a, a well, no, because it no longer exists. A prehistoric oh. monster snake. I'm sorry, Brooks. Brooks um, established in previous hate podcasts. snakes. Alonzo, what's your mm. thoughts on snakes? They're all right. They they serve a purpose. No, they don't. No purpose. Well, this one definitely did because he was a monster. Um, around 58 million years ago, a monstrous snake uh, weighing more than a ton and measuring 14 meters, which is approximately 50 feet, it could swallow a whole crocodile without showing a bulge, uh, which is you know how you measure the size of snakes. Uh, and uh, it was called Titanoboa. Yep. Which they, sounds, it was named by James Cameron. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or just the guys who uh, who write Power Rangers. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> just, they, had, they put a, a uh, um, replica of that snake in, I think, Union Station in New York right now. You could look it up and see it. If you had a snake phobia, that basically writes off Union Station for you. For, or, or if you're below the age of 10, that's going to be terrifying. Yeah, but that, you know something, something that big? You don't even realize it's a snake as no. you're walking along next to it. Yeah, you're just, oh, this the next thing you're inside of it yeah. saying, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. This textured wall is peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't venomous as massive snakes tend not to be. It was a constrictor, but according to this article in, in the BBC, it has a constricting force of four hundred pounds per square inch, which it claims is the equivalent of lying under the weight of one and a half times the Brooklyn Bridge. Because well, could... that that makes sense though, because if it existed in prehistoric times, then it had to kill dinosaurs, so it had to be that big because you know Everything's things bigger. were. Things were on that scale. Not everything, but I mean, there were right. animals on that scale. And as far as a constricting force, I, what's the constricting force of a of an anaconda? I don't know. It doesn't comparison. say here. One one ice cube. <laughs> Just an ice. So. Did he die in that? No, because John they made a second movie. John Voight. Yeah. You're thinking of John Voight. Uh, John Voight died. But Ice Cube was in the first one. Yeah, I think he was in the second one. He was. Yeah. I'm looking up constricting force of an anaconda. It looks like. Uh, I- I think I think it's kind of nuts that the blue whale is still the largest animal to ever live on the earth, like yeah. larger than any dinosaur. And just it's easier to be big underwater because you don't your body doesn't have to right. support Boy, the weight of your. And yeah. I guess we don't really know, you know, prehistoric animals underwater. There could have been something bigger than a blue whale, but it when they die, something bigger. They could have been, yep. but they haven't. They yet to find it. But then again, if you know, if the bones, the fossils, kind of sink to the bottom of, if it is something that James really, Cameron will get it one day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and what, if he doesn't, he'll make it and tell us he got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andy, what, what's the constricting force? It looks like, according to Google Answers, it's um, about five times, six times that of a rigorous firm handshake. Oh, yeah, because that's just like a Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> yeah. What? That's what it's saying for Anaconda. These are the worst comparisons ever. I, this is a scientific podcast. Yeah. I just Googled Anaconda constricting force. Five times the strength of a firm handshake. <laughs> it should have just said five times the strength of a grandpa's handshake. Right. Because those right. are, my grandpa crushes my hand. I don't like and it. Units of grandpa shakes. How yeah. many grandpa shakes <laughs> in this thing? Grandpa shakes. Yeah. That's the agreed oh, upon constricting force unit. I used to live next to farmers, and those dudes would just ruin my hand as a child. Oh, I hate that. Like I hate when you're a five-year-old. When some, yeah, some adults try and impress don't, you. I with like their a firm handshake, but the guy who, yeah, the one, like the guy who tries to alpha male you out of the, yeah. just looks you in the eye, or, or if they act, the, the one I hate because I got a decent handshake, but just if they accidentally, if they grab the very like the end of your fingers, fingers. and then you're just stuck in this. Oh well, oh, now man. I just look like you're just. You're just wait. You're just gripping my. F- you're waving me around now. Mm. Whenever they do that, I go Ashante. 
Because they just grabbed the tip of my <laughs> fingers. Kiss your hand. Oh, how are you, mister? Did you know, by the way, just take, on the sort of James Cameron, um, this week, uh, I, I don't know this, apparently, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the uh, astrophysicist and science communicator, right. uh, managed to get James Cameron to correct the stars on the remake because he's released Titanic 3D. Oh, wow. And apparently the positions of the stars were, were wrong for what they would have been at the time the Titanic Oh, sank. I thought you meant he didn't put Leonardo DiCaprio in <laughs> Exactly. He, he said, it's just him Billy instead. Billy Zane should have he been at the head of the yeah, table. Yeah. He just has yeah. to move him around. Yeah. The new version has, like, you know, on the prow of the ship, it's, it's DiCaprio just holding Neil deGrasse Tyson just out of <laughs> <into> the water. <laughs> oh, man. Um, That's crazy. What, uh, what, but to Hollywood's credit, they would do that if you tell them it's wrong. Yeah. They'll correct it. If they, they just don't know. But, it, but if somebody said, hey, the stars, I mean, they do want to make it Authentic. And so someone like James Cameron them. as well. And you, really... yeah, you have to be James Cameron. You can't be yeah, just any right. director. Actually, you have to have made a couple of billion dollar movies yeah. <laughs> before they say, "All right, we'll make you happy." Yeah, we will spend. We will spend probably yeah. a, probably a good couple of hundred thousand just For to change that. No yeah. one's. I, I saw this yeah. interview with James Cameron where he was just saying uh, he had to stop himself from fixing all the mistakes he made in the Titanic movie, and they were like really small. Like right. uh, oh, it wouldn't have been a glass chandelier at that part. And I'm like, he's like, well, who the f- who cares? Yeah. yeah. Well, Spielberg was going to do that. Then he just changed history. He actually changed the dinosaurs to match Jurassic Park. <laughs> it was <laughs> easier than reshooting. Yeah, and he invented the Holocaust. Yes, he yeah. did. He did. Oh <laughs> man. True. Okay. Even though it wasn't real. Alonzo, what That's animal? That's a joke, people. I don't need the protest. <laughs> <laughs> what animal are you most scared of? Ah, that's that's a tough one. Um, I don't know that I have a particular phobia. I mean, in certain circumstances, I'm not a big fan of rats. Okay. Uh, Rats bother me. But, you know, I read an interesting article in Esquire. It was about the the guy in Ohio who had the private zoo who set all the animals loose. Oh, yeah. was what, last summer he killed himself and and set all of it. He had lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. Um, you went there. I was yeah, like, I'm and, not going to no, go they, there. I'm he not going to like go there. Panthers and jaguars. Because in Ohio, you can have any kind of animal as a pet. What? It's like some loophole, legal wow. loophole. Yep. So he had all these animals. So he committed suicide. And this guy had gone to jail for cruelty to the animals, and he had some mental problems. So people were like worried about him. So he he killed himself, but before he did, he opened the cages oh, for all these animals. So all of these animals started like walking around on farms and this and that. And the article was to the sheriff and the few people in the sheriff's department who had to kill the animals. Yeah. But but from the way it was written, like you talk about what animal would scare you, like if you see a tiger oh, and there's no fence. Yeah. Right, literally, there's <laughs> no fence. Like a tiger is just laying there looking at like that kind of fear because you don't know what to do yeah and one guy said he was feeding his horse he was like walking his horse and he saw the horses freaking out and he looked over and there was a lion behind one of those little wire fences that farmers use like not even barbed wire just two strands of wire it's just like uh electric fence yeah but it wasn't electrified no no no, it's not gonna stop a lion just a farm fence like you know a little boundary and kind of like a little little sign for the horse maybe to stick around on this side right exactly exactly a little enticement so he said that he just kind of walked the horse to the barn he was just kind of like okay i hope the lion doesn't jump and then they talked about tigers and they said, like, when you shoot a tiger, it attacks. So if a tiger can jump four feet, 
if you shoot it, it'll jump ten feet. So you know, mm-hmm. it was it was really a trip to read about it because so many animal lovers jumped on these guys. Why do you kill these animals? Yeah. You're cruel. You're blah blah blah. But when you, when you read the article about the sheriff's department and what they had to do to try to contain these animals, it was like they had to kill them. You can't you can't just throw a net over a tiger when there's another tiger around because yeah. he's really going to be like, oh, these humans. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like the you old joke on the far side where they show two tigers laying on the beach like they're rubbing their bellies like soft, pink, no fur, no claws. You know, humans are delicious yeah. to wild animals. So, yeah, let's put ca- large carnivores on my list of things to fear. All right. I never thought about that, but you always think of those as just in a zoo environment. But when you actually picture yeah. that showing what, up like, somewhere unexpected, it's terrifying. Yeah, because everyone like bears because you encounter them if you live out in the woods or you go like you know you go to the parks, whatever. People always have like the various advice about whether you, which ones you play dead and which ones you stare out. Try to be bigger than it. Which ones you run in zigzags, or whatever. I don't know what. I don't even know what the theory is with a tiger. You just give the tiger the finger, and he's just like, I guess not. That's or what I read. insults, it really doesn't really. Like, don't it's nothing. You do. I got yeah. a nothing on that one. Yeah, right, it's really not into on. like shock comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to the next story. I'm not even attempting segues anymore, you guys. You've, you've trained me out of even good. trying segues. That's a good thing. Brooks hates it when I try to actually find a smooth transition. Uh, there is evidence of fire use even earlier than we had previously thought. Uh, scientists have found new evidence that our ancestors were using fire as early as a million years ago. Um. And they know that because of ash and bone fragments recovered from Wonderwork Cave in South Africa. And uh, the ability to use fire, obviously, is regarded as a key step in human development because it gave us access to cooked foods and new technologies. And uh, stone tools found at this cave indicate that the ancestor in question may have been Homo erectus, a species whose existence has been documented as far back as 1.8 million years ago. Does it say in that article when the first instance was a fire poi? Fire what? You know, Paul, you know, you know the spinning things. That no, hold on. Don't have. tell us. Oh, damn it. I like when he says shit about England, Alonzo. That's not an England thing. We go around. We try to figure out what the word is. Figure are. out what that word means. A That's fire poi? Poi. P-O-I. They're the thing, you know, the things with like, you know, poi the chain. Poi Hawaiian. It's the chain with like the thing on the end that you see hippies twirling on the beach. I'm with Alonzo. Poi is, uh, is like a way of curing fish rock. Okay. What are you talking about? A fire poi? You've seen it. Like, some of them, some, you have the fire ones and the non-fire ones that just have tassels on it. There's there's two so there'll be like a kind of chain or a string with a with a weight on the end and they spin them around in little seat okay. little twirly are, patterns. We're both right. Yes, yeah, spelled the same way. Performance art and a food. Actually, the food comes from uh, tarot plant and the performance art is uh, swinging tethered. Um, I thought they were more widely known. T- swinging tethered weights through a variety of rhythmical and geometrical patterns. If you go down go down Venice Beach and you'll see at least two. Of them. Well, I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. I just thought it was called fire dancing. We what's, didn't what's know they were, it had a specific name. Oh uh, yeah, everything has I a didn't name. Know. Um, it says in here also that so they think fire existed before this. The earliest known fire for uh, humans or Homo erectus was four hundred thousand years ago. So this is six hundred thousand years before that even. And uh, they were talking about how. They think that they were using um, this fire to cook food, which is, like, even crazier that – I don't know why. They they think it's crazy that they would use it to cook food, but I'm like, wouldn't you know? Like, if you have fire, no, but think about that. stop why, eating raw food. What, I have a what question. What is intuitive about that? Okay. Is this show sponsored by Satan somehow? <laughs> fire from a million years ago? That can't be real. Fire and monsters. That's the show so far. Rick Santorum is our Serpent. guest. Rick, how are we Rick, doing? Rick, Rick Santorum, line one. Talk uh, 
We've, no, yeah, but we've Brooks, serpents and fire. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you in this one, Brooks, because I think it's totally not intuitive to cook food, especially because no other animal, other animals, just tear apart another animal and eat their flesh. Why would it ever occur to you, okay, that you should start? You heating? know what? No, I'm not trying to. I'm just no. You, you want to hear your side me of that? It. Ma- no, there was no side to that. It was just oh. me thinking. I would, I would know immediately because you what you said. Just yeah. made sense. I was like, "Yeah, what you wouldn't know." I, I guess. really, I really wonder. I, 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 as as I've talked about before, guns, germs, and steel. I've gotten to maybe ten percent of the way through the book, and I'll still talk about it like I know what I'm talking about. There we go. I haven't gotten to the chapters that explain that. I understand how agriculture happened accidentally because you would find that things were sprouting up out of your collective latrine areas as a as a culture because that's how some seeds are processed. Once they go through, then they're able to grow, and you're like, "Oh, maybe we should start planting these." seeds so it was never an intentional like we should plant food it just started happening so you repeated that but burning food probably couldn't happen accidentally could sure it? it could and and i've heard this theory i don't know if it's true but lightning and forest fires oh lightning would would start a forest fire and animals would be burned and remember we were we were hunting and scavenging like you were eating stuff right so so now if there's some oh, so some eat- rabbit or deer or something wasn't fast enough to get away from the fire so eat- and its meat was there well, that was easier than trying to kill one. So maybe some ancient human and then you tasted go, it and said, this is good. Or Yeah, that or, makes sense. You know, this that, didn't make me throw up all over right, myself. It, I didn't get sick or, yeah. or who knows what had yeah, happened. Yeah, particularly that rabbit that accidentally got burnt in that lemon and thyme patch. Yes. yes. <laughs> he was nice. a delicious yeah. little buddy. Yeah, very lucky. He was under the rosemary bush. They were talking about, actually, They were a lot of people were kind of skeptical. They're like, no, there could be a, a natural fire with ash blown into the cave. But uh, they said that the, the ash on this still had jagged edges, which shows that if it was, like, blown into the cave, it would have become smooth or, like, carried in by water. It would have been smooth. Okay. And they said that the bones in there, they looked like charred bones, but charred bones kind of look like um, – could fossilized bones look like charred bones? The but, critics are saying this. Yeah, yeah. But then they looked at it under a microscope, and it said that bones are filled with a mineral called hydroxyl L-apatite. Uh, which gives them their strength. It forms tiny plate-like crystals that slowly fuse together as an old bone is fossilized. But when a bone is heated to high temperatures, however, those crystals change shape and grow into large needles, then oh. small plates. And these one had uh, needles in them, so there was they were cooked. This they is were definitely cooked, cooked bones. animal carcasses. It does constantly amaze me how paleontologists and people who study the, how much they can work out from just the tiniest fragments of evidence. Like there was. Yeah. The, They'll get like a, a wrist bone and just go, oh, okay, so now we know so that a, this. Yeah, so a Tyrannosaurus looked like this. We got its <laughs> fingernail. Yeah, so he must have been green and this is his diet. Yep. Yeah. And just. That's probably why things like, like what Alonzo was saying about the whole disregard for or, or distrust of science these days, what that comes from is that these days there's the end of the, the culture of the expert because of the internet. Everybody feels like, oh, I have as much right to my quote unquote opinion or. or observation of facts as anybody no, also, but then they start to distrust those who have spent their entire lives gaining an expertise of something and they say if, it, if it's not intuitive to me I don't trust it if so, I can't grasp why you would saw this thing science is so specialized now because all the most of the simple stuff was discovered 200 years ago like we everything that everything that Newton did I can understand and it, it was phenomenal in his time because they didn't exist before and he was clearly a genius upon geniuses but like right. everything he discovered and everything he Devised and invented and created is within my like is in yeah, my capacity. Yeah, but that's because they could teach it to you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But science, you know, it was 
But you it, can't wrap your head around Einstein, for instance. Uh, like, yeah, it'll I, take 100 years before that might and, be just, And the stu- all the stuff that's now been doing, going on beyond that. Like, it, it's impossible to know all the science. Around right. Newton's time, it would be possible to know, for one person to right. understand and know all of it. I try to, like, I've tried a few times to be like, all right, you know, I want to understand string theory and sound yeah. cool at a party, and I just can't at all. Well, because you didn't train up to that level. Yeah, you yeah. wanted to, to start at string theory, That's and you true. had to start with math and physics and and work step by step. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's how things work. That's how you You don't start you at calculus 4. You start right. at calculus 1. Right. You to, you yeah. have oh, to you learn. started uh, pre-algebra. You started arithmetic. But also yeah, string sure. theorists don't understand string theory fully yet. It's not a fully formed theory whereas right. like it's still at the cutting edge of research. So but it but also it's a specialization. People who are, who are fully in with that aren't in with other branches of physics and certainly aren't in with other branches of chemistry or maths or Well, the great thing about education is and one of the things about it is you learn how much you don't know right you know the more you learn about something the more you realize how much there is you don't know about something like you were talking about like you go on the internet and you see something and you take it for granted but but then if you were to really study it you'd be like wow there's there's so much going on here that I don't understand on so many more levels, you know. Which in many ways means I sort of did, I think I did science a disservice earlier on. When I said like the sort of the likes of Santorum, it's willful ignorance. In a way, proper science at its purest is... is Admission gr- of Grateful level. ignorance. Yes, yeah. yeah, the people, the thing that Santorum and his kind do that's bad is to, is to refuse the concept of ignorance. Go, no, we know it all. The answer is here. Whereas good scientists go, no, we don't know a single thing. Right. Constantly... Well, they, scientists don't put any cap on knowledge. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. No, you We're know. not done. They don't say we've got it all figured out. And... I, I, I give you an example. When I, I worked on airplanes, and there are two theories about how things fly, right? So there's, there's the Bernoulli principle, which is the curved top of the wing, and as it moves through, you create low pressure above it, mm-hmm. and that creates lift. That's one theory. The other theory is simply if you put enough power behind anything, it will fly. Yeah. Hence, throw a brick. And, and you can't argue with that. That's you you point. could, you know, so there's, there's really two ways to do it. And, and they both work. Yeah. yeah and there's, I actually, I've got a whole bit of material that's a bit of a cheat and it has been pointed out to me. Like I've got this story that I tell on stage sometimes about this Texan woman that I sat next to on a plane who was going, was talking about how, like, how amazing flight it was and uh, yeah, it is. And she went, I guess what... I guess we'll never know how. And that's what she said. And I've got this whole routine <laughs> taking the piss out of her for that. Because, But truly, we like, technically, we don't know how. Like, technically... Well, we do know how, but there's more than one theory as to, you know, uh, what's but, behind it. But, yeah, we definitely know how aircraft fly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't... The, the, the bumblebee shouldn't fly. Well, that, that, <laughs> That's a common... It's a joke in, aer- in the aerospace world. The bumblebee's wings are too small... And too slow, and its body is too fat, and right? Round and its and... body's too big, so it shouldn't fly, and oh. yet it does. That's crazy. I never knew that. I thought there um, was a story recently where some some guys had studied it again, and they may have a theory as to how how it works now. Yeah, I had but, no idea this was even still being debated. That's crazy. That is nuts. All right, we we got to keep moving on. <laughs> way behind. Um, this is the next story. is is a pretty quick one that relates to uh, what's currently happening in this in our sky. It's Venus. Is super bright right now. Um, don't know why. No idea. Um, no idea. This is the story. There's no reason. Well, hold on. This is about. <laughs> this is like kind of a historical thing. It was just so. C- currently, you yeah, can, we can see, see Venus right there. Yeah, you can see Venus in the daytime. 
Uh, well, you could at least a few days ago. There was a day where Venus was, would be the brightest, and you could see it in the daytime. And the last time that happened was during Abraham Lincoln's inauguration. Um, and he was up giving a speech, and then right after his speech, people noticed in Washington, D.C., like it was super clear. And they're like, oh, there's a, there's a star right now in the sky. Um, and everybody thought it was like a sign. Like all the ignorant people thought it was a sign, and they told Abe Lincoln that. Or whatever, and he like got out and looked at it, and he was like, "Oh, it just must be a clear day. It's a planet." Like he just was like, "Listen, just chill out, everybody. Okay, I'm not wow. Jesus here." I'm and his publicist said, "Abe, shut up, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Let them think what they want to think." Abe was the second term guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> Sign from above. So yeah, so right, what we're it's seeing right cool. now, you saw like it. Abe Lincoln. So it's pretty freaking cool, guys. It's sort of like the American Tales song, you know. It helps to think we might be wishing on the same bright star oh. <laughs> somewhere out there. You know, okay. I I read this thing recently. Um, I don't know. Oh, it was when they came out with how rich um, Mitt Romney is. They they published how rich each president has been, like over time. Like adjusted in, for real times. Yeah, adjusted it's, for it's real times. In units of grandpa shakes. Yeah, in units of grandpa shakes. And uh, George Washington would have been the richest of all, president of all time, worth like $500 million. What? Because wow. of all the land he got. Yeah, he owned a ton of land. After the Revolutionary War. Of course, land was free. Like was you just say, well, walked yeah. around and said, it's hey, mine. this is mine. <laughs> little so, homesteading. Yeah, yeah, did they kind of count like, you know, the total value of the state of Washington? <laughs> it's just, right. oh, it's his, it's Washington. <laughs> right. I think, uh, I think Washington. Uh, the 13 colonies all belong to George, so it was just, yeah. you know. So um, just whatever the net worth now of... Uh... And then it went through a time like where everybody was real rich at the beginning, and then a time where we liked electing like people we thought could be one of us, right. which was like der- during Abe Lincoln's time. Which was 2000. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he was super rich. He was like Bush. Bush. Oh, yeah. Bush was super rich. Yeah, it was like the deceptive. Like he's like he you. Except is he's super rich. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, super rich. <laughs> but like that's Abe- the most. I mean that that of any piece of publicity of spin doctoring of it's it, like it astonishing. They managed to convince the public that a multimillionaire, Yale educated son, son of, of president. a president and oil baron. Is just like just like one of the boys. It's yeah. just someone you want to have a teetotaler. It's someone you want to well, have a drink with. <laughs> actually, actually, he was. He was the anomaly in his family. Yeah. Everyone in his family is smart and capable. <laughs> Seriously, he yeah. was the fuck up in the family. He was drunk. He he got through school because his father went to Yale and his father made phone calls and made sure that he would graduate. They bought him businesses, you know, oil companies, baseball team, whatever, to try to find something for him to do. Like he was the one who was below the bar, right. you know, and it right. was it was a matter of, OK, we need someone who we can put in office and we can manipulate. So you have to get someone who won't ask questions. You can't you can't put someone in that position who's smart enough to ask questions. You put George Bush in there and you're like, George, this is what you do. And that's what he would do. I used to do a joke about it when he used to always be on the bicycle. That was Dick Cheney saying, listen, you go for a bike ride (laughs) and the grownups need to talk. And and he would. He'd go out and ride his bicycle and come back. So do another lap, George. Do another. Put a baseball card in the spokes to make the motorcycle sound. He wasn't ordinary in the sense of like he had to work for a living or he had to worry about paying the rent. But he wasn't any smarter than than the average person. Right. George Clooney said, and and I know this is completely off the Abe Lincoln topic, but Clooney said, like, when you meet Barack Obama, you realize right away he's the smartest person in the room. And it doesn't matter what room you're in. 
you yeah. would never say that about George Bush or yeah. or more you know Sarah Palin who who literally like just doesn't know anything you know but but again her followers think that's great they prefer like she doesn't know she's dumb as I am that's great you know yeah, this idea like you know, oh he's an elitist like Obama For, in intellectual terms maybe like in in sort of societal terms he's like you know he's a mixed race single parent family raised like struggled his way like yeah. he's, he's that's not elitist yeah. yeah. but intellectually yeah he probably is an elitist and how that's the I want I want the I, most powerful want, person in the world yeah, to be exactly running the country that's what I was, I was talking about that the other day how Obama came out with his like NCAA bracket like and it's got to be like publicists like that show course, you're one of us course, and I'm yeah. like I don't want my president to have time for that like I want no, him to be so busy but he does have time for that like if you listen to those and and now this has turned into some left wing thing. That, <laughs> no, yeah, and I'm not saying. Right I, I'm but, just saying in general. Like I don't want to think the president is one of us. But he, oh, yeah, I but see, he I does see. have time to do that. And that in that respect, the president is an American. Like you watch the basketball tournament that everyone watches. Now you don't watch it while the nation's under attack. <laughs> yeah. No, I. You I, know I, that's the yeah, difference. Yeah. Like if the, if they whisper in your ear, the nation's under attack. Then you, you put down the children's the book, book and you go to work. You <laughs> right. don't, you know, but but there are times when, you know, the president is supposed to go to opening day because baseball is American and and so on. You know, that that stuff is is cool. But but as far as Abe Lincoln being a chosen one, listen, we black people, we loved Abe. <laughs> no, I, all I was Abe gonna, was good for us. He was super. Po- he was a he poor, was our guy. He's one of the poorest <laughs> presidents, too. He's like he was like a genuine, like normal, not rich dude at all. He's just like a uh, lawyer. And failed at a bunch of stuff, and then became senator, and then no one wants that anymore. No one wants the. I guess they they want to believe that it's it's like the opposite of what you want in every other profession. Like you'd never go in for surgery and hope for the most like down home. Yeah, surgeon. I want to drink a beer with my surgeon home. afterwards. Yeah. No, I want my surgeon to be at home studying more yeah. surgery. Yeah, my doctor's such an elitist with his fancy medical words. Yeah, yeah. Just call uh, it a knee. Just call it a knee <laughs> and a blood pump. <laughs> uh, okay, blood pump attack. You're having a blood pump attack. That's somebody I can get behind. Yeah, you're, n- <laughs> you're thinking, pulp. <laughs> thinking, pump. Uh, so, well, here's, a, here's a cool story, by the way. This is um, this could be the future. This is proper future stuff, and and this is a private company um, that's had to do it. This is a Tokyo company uh, called the Obayashi Corporation hopes to erect a space elevator by 2050, All which right. is a which is it's pretty an amazing thing. But it's sort of um, it will ferry passengers and car- cargo along a carbon nanotube ribbon from a terrestrial terminal to a spaceport nearly a quarter of the way to the moon. What's up there? What are they space. doing up there? <laughs> it's pretty much space. Like so, so what happens is um, it's yeah. 50- Rick Santorum calls it a ladder to heaven. <laughs> exactly. That's a South Park episode. And Newt Gingrich says, "See, I told you." Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a. But 59,652 mile long carbon nanotube cable with a counterweight floating at the top uh, and anchoring the assembly connected to the ground terminal, passengers would travel from the ground to a spaceport research center equipped, equipped with residential facilities located um, 22,369 miles above the Earth's surface. So here we go. So the, ca- the counterweight is basically twice the distance again. Or sorry, the same distance again. It's twice the height. Um, and... And you go to this midpoint terminal station. The journey takes a week. So you're in this elevator basically for a week 
Which, I mean, if you fart at the bottom of that... Uh, there we go. There there's, we go. There's the joke. There's the joke. Uh, but uh, they're keeping quiet about the cost of the project, but once it's off the ground, the company hopes to shuttle 30 passions at a time along the cable, uh, potentially with magnetic linear motors. Okay, I'm just going to be the one to say this. This ain't never getting built in our lifetime. <laughs> no no possible well, way. Well, one part they left out is, is the city in outer space. Like they, you, yeah, like we, we have to build that. You know, before you have the elevator to go to the city in outer space, yeah. you have to build the city in outer space. That's yeah. it's like the old Steve Martin joke: how to make a million dollars and not pay taxes. First, get a million dollars. Then, <laughs> you know, so so first, build a city in outer space. Then we'll work on an elevator to get you back <laughs> yeah, and yeah. forth. Yeah, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about uh, uh, Richard Branson. They have a space. They're the first commercial space. Yeah, this uh, is happening. Planes are, are will just pa- take pa- uh, passengers barely into space. Yeah, Sixty miles high compared to fifty nine thousand miles high. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, Branson's going sixty miles up, and this thing is saying it's going to yeah, go twenty two thousand is where you'd times. actually get up to. Oh, oh, okay, the counterweight is sixty thousand. It'd be pretty extraordinary. And centrifugal force keeps the ribbon taut, um, and they're, they're thinking. It has to be somewhere near the equator for that reason to keep it to keep it taut to keep it so it's right. spinning with the Earth. Uh, so they reckon possibly somewhere in Indonesia might well be where it would go from. This just seems so sketchy, and I mean that in the most literal way. Of just details are lacking in every possible way. Like what would this? The the closest thing to a rendering they have is just this very simple like bar napkin sketch of what it might look like. Well, I think that just shows that scientists drink. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You know, they sit around the bar and they're like, "Hey, what if we made an elevator this to the moon?" Space elevator. Yeah. Come yeah. on, give me a give me a napkin. <laughs> I'll show you. We'll post this on our on our website, probably science dot com, uh, and just look at how shitty this sketch is. Like the it's ske- I, I mean, I can even, like, you don't even need to look at the picture. I can describe it to you. It's sort of a it's a straight line for the, uh, with a. With a counterweight bit at the top, a midway there's a sort of hexagon, which is the the space station, and at the bottom is like a rectangle, which is the base. And it says ground. It just says ground. yeah, and and sticking out from one side of it is a solar generating panel. And then it has an elevator car that car that just has an arrow going up and an arrow going down right oh, next to it. It goes both works. directions. So it just goes to show that you yeah. can return. Imagine yeah, you, you miss your floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some oh, shithead pushes geez, all the buttons. Go all the way. <laughs> I have to wait another week for it yeah. to go all the way up. In oh, there. You oh, press fab, you press uh, five. All right. Um, <laughs> this is going to be the subject of, of the even worst uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, maybe. Oh, man. Spending a week with the devil in the space evader. Uh, the last oh, hold top- on. But M. Night Shyamalan, I like asking questions to guests. Um, what are you, aliens, Alonzo, what do you think? What's your aliens? That, this is so funny because this is the second time this month this has come up. I honestly auditioned for a sci fi show. And they they asked about aliens. Oh, was that? Um, um, I think I did that too. Everyone so, did. Every yeah. comic in L.A. auditioned for it. It um, Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, I did yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every comic in it L.A. was terrible at it. Not, a, not everyone. Oh, you just haven't got the call yet. <laughs> yeah, you you'll will. get you'll get the call. But, so they propose the question: Do you believe in aliens? This is this is my problem with the current theories of aliens and UFO encounters and stuff. And why I don't believe it. Because they always have them talking to the dumbest people on earth. They, they're always in, you know, in a trailer park or in some backwards little town or, you know, whatever. And, and if there were aliens, 
you know, you'd have to think they're smart enough to have conquered space travel and all that goes with it. They would look at our society and they would go like talk to somebody at MIT or they or they'd want to yeah, check out, you know, JPL that. in past. They wouldn't go to to bumfuck Iowa and say, oh, look at these <laughs> hey, that's houses a nice town. on wheels. It's you a know? good town, Alonzo. So that's, that's <laughs> excuse me, but that's, that's my problem with it, with the so-called alien encounters. So is it possible? The odds say there would have to be if the if the universe right. is ex- as expansive as we believe it to be or as we well, as we can measure using our technology. They say there's 66 billion Earth-like planets out there. Right. The, the odds, you know, how egotistical are we that, oh, we're the only ones? Right. Like, it, it may be like some movies where they're like, humans are so dumb and so backwards that we're just going to give them a million years before we talk to them. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. see if they survive. And that that may be the case. I I don't know. But again, this show is sponsored by Satan. (laughs) Yeah, there's 100 billion stars. And they say that one third, two thirds of those stars have uh, Earth like planet on them. So, I mean, it's 66 billion stars if Earth. But even that, who's to say it it would be an Earth like planet? Because it could be a completely different life form. No, when I say Earth like planet, I mean like rocky planet, not a gas, gaseous planet. And about the same size, about the same. Yeah, I mean, relative, just not a gaseous planet and like within the habitable zone. Yeah, because. But again, but but see, any of those words, habitable, hospitable, it's. It's called the putting, Goldilocks zone. Putting our standard, you know, oh, in other words, our, what our, that's idea of what life, our is, life form yeah, yeah. needs to There's definitely some leeway, right. but at the same time, and, it's it's got to be less likely that life has managed to form as somewhere where the temperature never gets below sort of 6,000 6, degrees or whatever. Just, right. Right. But, it, but that's limited by our thinking. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but but to us, you know, I mean, look, look you look at the, the earth, like, look at fish. You know, fish live underwater, and and to to a fish, if fish were had some sort of intelligence, they'd be like, well, everything lives underwater, right? Well, yeah. how could anything live out there with the sun and dry? Oh, you know? certainly on Earth, there are there are things like there are some bacteria that manage to exist in like in near volcanoes in ridiculous temperatures, and yeah. Listen, and, have and, you been to Singapore? <laughs> yes, I have. Because I have. Yeah, weird country, right? Yeah, and if you can survive that heat. <laughs> well, six thousand degree Martian stuff is only ten degrees hotter. <laughs> and the caning, the caning is the worst. Uh, so th- this next topic, I was going to talk to about, talk about again. You guys are completely we- weaned me of any attempts at segues because this could not be less related. But um, it is an interesting topic: autism. Uh, autism rates are on the rise again. A new federal study indicates that one in eighty-eight U.S. children had autism or other autism spectrum disorders in two thousand eight, which is up. One from uh, 110 kids, wait, up from one in 110 in 2006 and one in 150 in 2002. So that's a pretty dramatic rise in just the last 10 years in autism rates. Any theories why? That's the thing is they still don't really have great theories. They've already debunked the Jenny McCarthy thing with all of the the, The uh, infant infant vaccines. Um, I mean, I I do know at least one of the reasons why rates of autism have gone up hugely in the last sort of 10 15 years is is detection rates like people they're just much better at diagnosing and detecting autism than they used to be so people who would have slipped through the net now get noticed and get recognized and also apparently they've started letting people with autism count the people with autism so just (laughs) Just very thorough about it yeah Yeah, really thorough and just repetitive (laughs) 
on the upside, it's much easier to count cards these days. So uh, just got to find a buddy, <laughs> take him down to. Yeah, I recommend Laughlin. Have- <laughs> don't go to Vegas. Go to like Winnemucca. Go to Reno. Go to Mesquite. You don't want to draw attention. But um, no, I mean, yeah, we were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago with Chris Frangiola, and uh, yeah, I-, I wonder how much of this might be actually related to things in our environment as far as uh, the constant barrage of, of flashy screens everywhere, yeah. and uh, you know, who knows? But it's. I don't think it has to do with vaccines and um, people increasingly dropping cocktail sticks next to their infants. <laughs> cocktail <laughs> sticks. Oh, Is you, that what you call toothpicks. Yeah. You call cocktail toothpicks sticks. cocktail sticks. I really uh, just uh, in my m- head when you said that I went to umbrellas. I don't know. Umbrellas. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. I think that was what's in my head as well. Like, oh, you know, okay. Well, okay. you know, I think they'd call it because you wouldn't call. Would you call it a toothpick if it's actually the thing that an olive goes through? We still call it a toothpick. Yeah, toothpick. Yeah. Okay. Do you? I don't know. Because oh, is that what happened in Rayman? Was those little spirit like the, the tiny swords, or was what, it? I think no, it was they were toothpicks. toothpicks. Okay. It was toothpicks. Right. I'm still going to start calling them cocktail sticks. I love that. That's that's delightful. Well, I, I think your your uh, theory makes sense that they're just better at detecting it. And there's also a wider range of definition of what is considered yeah, autism. Like, you it, know, it's understood now to be a full spectrum rather right. than just you know fair, things like Aspergers, which people with Aspergers would have previously just could have lived their entire life without being diagnosed yeah. quite happily and just going right. oh he's he's just a he's bit socially a little, awkward yeah. he's just well, an 50 asshole. years ago he was just crazy uh, yeah. we had so to lock him in the crazy basement Jane. we locked yeah. him in the basement he was crazy <laughs> hit him with a stick hit him with a stick <laughs> go to the shed hit him with a stick oh man uh, alright we'll, we'll move on just to kind of run sure. it right here we'll just go to our historical part now where we just give a uh, historical science story and uh, two three weeks ago we talked about the guy who uh, came I think it was like Sir Henry I don't remember Higgins. what it was. No, it wasn't Higgins. It was the guy who came up with the uh, um, appropriate way, the theory of circulation, correct. Right, right. The right. heart pumps blood and whatnot, and it's not synthesized in the liver. Uh, and But the theory before him held true for 1,500 years was by this dude named Claudius uh, Gallen, who is regarded, regarded as the founder of experimental physiology. And uh, this guy lived in the second century. He, he was, was a cr- Greek physician, um, and he was the number one physician to Marcus Aurelius, who is uh, best known as his work in the movie Gladiator, that Caesar. Yes. Um, so he was his physician. So who played uh, Gallen in, uh, in the film Gladiator? Uh, River Phoenix dead, oh, cool. which is crazy because he was dead. Um, that must have upped the budget. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, so he... So he was the physician to Marcus Aurelius, um, and uh, he was probably the greatest ancient physician after um, Hippocrates. How do you say Hi- Hippocrates? Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Hippocrates works. So Hippocrates. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, I think it's way, also Marcus Aurelius. I almost made a whole setting, podcast without some horrifying. <laughs> setting the bar very low by saying the best physician in the year 200, was it? That's a pretty yeah, easy well, part. Also, of- the physiology experiments back then—they probably just cut live people. Oh, open. they were horrendous. Yeah. No, you know no, they mean? said like, like if the the emperor is sick and we want to see what's wrong. Excuse me, Matt. We're going to have to cut you open right. and see what's inside well, of you. Well, actually, why he learned so much is he was the physician to the gladiators. That's why oh. he was—he did know the much because they wouldn't let you do human dissection because it was considered indecent and taboo. But if someone else happened to dissect that person <laughs> but, yeah, in a if contest, you got, if you got your arm chopped but off, Gallon would show be like, "Let me look in your arm now." Yeah. <laughs> but also, they—I mean, with slaves back then, like they didn't consider them human. I'm sure they didn't mind chopping open. 
Right. Some I don't know. They... It said. I don't know. It says that he dissected monkeys, apes, hogs, and even an elephant, and then transferred his observations to humans. Um, that was often pr- produced erroneous results. But even that is, even that is a relatively sophisticated thought for back then to kind of to think that humans, humans, and cats have the same similar kind the of working same parts. innards. Yeah. yeah. Well, he severed animal spinal cords and then saw that they would become paralyzed. And he was like, oh, that's probably what's happening to our people who become paralyzed mm-hmm. from traumatic falls. He's like, their spinal cords have probably been severed. Yeah. And this dude wrote a, a bunch. He was a prolific writer. Um, so he wrote so much. Uh, I mean, he did some things pretty So let me get this well. straight. Let me get this straight. He tortured lots of animals. Tortured he kept of animals. detailed manifestos. But it, he, so the second century's genius is the modern era's just madman lunatic <laughs> right. from from a you know Anthony Hopkins character. Well, he did he did good things like he he gave precise descriptions of the skeleton and the skull. He correctly explained the mechanism of respiration and proved experimentally that arteries carry blood, not air, mm. which pretty much is just open an artery and be like, oh, That's it's what not. It seems like yeah. But um, so it, yeah, so I mean, he had a lot of he had a lot of things wrong too. Like he confused nerves with tendons, and he thought that. Uh, that blood was made in the liver. Um, and he did a bunch of bad things. But just what's crazy about this dude, Gallen, is what he said went till the 17th century. Right. So 1,500 years. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense, though, that people would believe that. Right. You know, how long did they believe the earth was flat? Right, and, right. And yeah. anything else. And they just don't bother to check it after a while. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, it's considered knowledge. Now... Can he explain how Dick Cheney lived the first 71 years without a heart before they, <laughs> before they just stuck one in there? Right. Well, that was, yeah, the, the least surprising news story. Of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dick Cheney gets a heart transplant. Well, of course he does. Right. He got a heart transplant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mm-hmm. this week. I don't Two know whether he was... Um, I don't know whether it was actually placed in, like, in by a surgeon or whether he just ate it in moonlight. Well, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, show, they did show the virgin who was sacrificed. To he, had get a, him one. he had a full heart transplant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. When they took out the old one, though, no one could look at it. It was like the Ark of the Covenant. Like, <laughs> right. They had to avert their eyes. Well, the old heart ate the new heart. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. He, I mean, he, he really is just the embodiment of evil. It's like he, of any modern politician, he is just pure. Although he's I, just I still, move. He's Hollywood baddie. But I still wonder. I st- in his heart of hearts, does he believe? Uh, this is what I always wonder about anybody that we vilify do they when they go home at night do they believe they're doing what is in the interest of the greater good like that's what i'm always he curious believes about he, what he's doing is in the interest of power the whole thing is about power for that, him personally he doesn't think you don't not think just he for believes him, that he's, for, but for the united states government but the government is his government you, you know what i mean right, right so yeah on some level he probably thinks he's doing some kind of good but dick cheney you know getting back to what you were saying i think He's the only person you truly could describe as diabolical. <laughs> like that word, word yeah. actually fits. Like Dick Cheney is diabolical. <laughs> it's just he's called we'll do what's bad. necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's, you don't have a human you can compare him to. Like Montgomery Burns is like ooh, not Cheney. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 like there's no other. Per- you have to go to movies or TV to. Yeah. Go, but he's just he. Yeah, he. Everything about him. What is just, was I? I don't know. I mean, like I am the most ignorant politics person ever. I'm just like I don't whatever, um, <laughs> which is terrible. I shouldn't, but I don't care. Uh, what was he before vice president? What was his? Oh, he's had a number of jobs. He was the secretary of defense. 
um, in the 70s with uh, Ford. And then in the 80s, he he was kind of a shadow government guy, I think, through the Reagan administration. But he's always been involved in the government on high levels with various titles. But it, it's and, – and in a lot of ways, I admire it because it wasn't – they never took a short-term view. You know, in other words – when they came up with the, the new American century and they had their own map of the Middle East, the way they wanted to change it, and this is what a lot of what the Iraq war had was about, they planned this a long time ago. It wasn't like they just said, hey, let's take over Iraq. Like They had a plan of how we're going to take over Iraq and form an American stronghold there to protect our resources, and then we're going to do this to Iran and strengthen Israel and so on. And they literally drew a map of what it's supposed to look like. But, excuse me, but this goes back 20 to 30 years. You know what I mean? So then that's why I say he's diabolical, because they think that far ahead. They don't they don't think they trust they'll be in power in 20 years to keep doing all these. Well, they even but even that they they set the stage to be in power Mm -hmm. for the next 20 years. Yeah, they play the long game. Like, okay, we might lose out for the next eight years, but we'll be backing in. Well, I think think they're like they're like, listen, let them have Barack Obama because George Bush did such a bad job. We need someone to blame this on and we need the world to forget about the fact we created this. Yeah. So let him have Obama for four years, and then let's get power back and do something else. You, you know? think he's going to lose this fall? I don't think he's going to. I don't, I don't think necessarily lose. think he's going to lose, but I'm just saying from their point of view, like they conceded the 2008 election, the the right wing, especially the power in the right wing, conceded yeah. that election. Well, they look like they're conceding this one as well. Like the the real. Like if Romney does end up winning, he doesn't have the support of the Republicans. The the true. But Republican. no one does. They, there's no. They don't have talked, anyone right now. Like various people have been mooted. Like Jeb Bush was in the right. mix for a while. Yeah, and then they, as soon as they floated that name and everyone turned, they were like, no. And then Chris Christie, they they like Chris Christie out of New Jersey, but I I don't is know. The, is he the big guy? He's the big fat guy, and that's going to be a big problem if they put him up there. You know, you, he's a big fat guy. Yeah, and and that's a. It's he just hard looks to, like a greedy, like right. He's he's the epitome of excess. So you you have a hard time saying when America's starving and America's broke. Hey, look at this big, rich, fat guy. Yeah, you can be like, yeah. we need to tighten our belts. Was it, well, just you should have chosen different words. There. Who got stuck in the tub? Was that Truman? <laughs> <laughs> No, some a president got a stuck thing? in a tub. Really? Might have been. I don't know. Who I think it was. that was Roosevelt. That was more of a. Was Roosevelt? I know we haven't elected no, a fat. Somebody got stu- <laughs> look up which president got stuck in a tub, and then we'll get out of here on that. I'm guessing Taft. He's the fat guy, it right? It would have been Wasn't him. Wasn't Taft our fattest president? But I do know that somebody literally got stuck in the in the White House tub one time. I do know it's going to be tough to be. Yeah, it's going to be tough to get elected as a bald or fat president since 1960. Like it hasn't happened since TV, really, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Eisenhower yeah. was bald, but that was kind of the. He might be the last one. Yeah, it's like Kennedy looked so good on the right, debate. Kennedy yeah, changed yeah. it. Yeah, Kennedy changed Fattest it. Fattest President Taft weighed in at uh, 350 pounds. Did it say stuck in the tub? Well, I'm, I don't know about that, but since he was the fattest, uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking up tub. Uh, stuck in the bathtub in the White House several times. Yep. Prompting yep, the installation of a new bathtub capable of holding all of the men who installed it. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm sorry. That could be a rumor. That's This is on Yahoo Answers. This is a poorly researched episode. <laughs> yeah, well, Taft was super fat, though. You yeah. heard it here first. <laughs> yep. You heard it here, everybody. Taft was fat. 
and that's science. We we did proven. we did stray further from science than we even do in many episodes, but um, but it was cool. But yeah, in a different direction. Alonzo, you usual. brought in. Yeah, we never talk great. about politics because it was cool. Um, well, thank you. I yeah, had fun. No, yeah. Well, thank you for joining Thanks us, for doing it. Um, you've got a you've got a podcast. I have a podcast, podcast on a sideshow network. Who's paying attention? So and go- it's just me rambling on about current events, um, politics, social climate. Sometimes I talk about Snooky. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. it's hard not to. It's, it's hard not to. How do yeah. you avoid that? Yeah. So, but but anyway, I just started doing it. I've uh, done three episodes. I'm about to do my fourth episode, and and I literally go through news stories and what's going on, what people are talking about, and I give my opinion, my take on it. And a, a lot of people say that I uh, I have a lot of common sense, which I take that as a high compliment. Yeah. So. I, and and an incredible voice. An incre- like, they, it's they been like a delight hearing your yet, voice in my headphones all night. You know, I had two voiceover auditions today. I've had a voiceover agent for three years. I have yet to book a job. How yeah. is that And possible? I literally said, I said, like, what am I doing wrong? Or do I really suck and no one's telling me? I don't <laughs> Just, know. But I, the only voiceovers I've done, you joked about Power Rangers. I did some monsters on Power Rangers. You know that. I did know that, yes. Yeah. Oh, I but, didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like... People worked, listening will just be like, there was one man and three soothing. children yeah. there. No, I worked as a uh, truck driver on the show, and the sound guy heard me talking and said, hey, you want to do monsters? Wow. And I said, as opposed to driving a truck? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to go with the monster gig. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, find, find uh, Who's Paying Attention. So, That's Alonzo's podcast, and you're on uh, presumably Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and, and Facebook. I use my real name. So, Twitter, it's at Alonzo Bowden, A-L-O-N-Z-O. B O D D E N, same spelling on Facebook. Excellent. So find him on there, and as always, find us at Probably Science and probablyscience dot com and Facebook. So like we're on again. Anything probably anything science slash or at probably to. science. Uh, any corrections, comments, opinions on past shows? Anything we think we should talk about? Any science topics you find? Um, give us a chat about that. And uh, keep tuning in. Keep rating us nicely on iTunes. Yeah, give us ratings. That would be great. That would be awesome. And tell your friends also if you like the show. Yep. Thanks for listening.